heart's desire this morning to worship Him. If you would this morning, I ask you to turn with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, starting our reading there in verse 21. This morning we're going to look at two verses of Scripture in verse 21 and 22, third chapter of the book of Luke, and the title of the sermon is The Power of God, and we're going to look at the uh, baptism of Jesus Christ. But our focus this morning will be on the power of God. So looking there in verse 21 of the third chapter of the book of Luke. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and the voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, I pray that you start preparing something in my heart that I can't do on my own. I pray that you start moving in each and every heart that's assembled here this morning. And Lord, that if our intent was when we got here that it wasn't to worship you, that you would put a heart of worship in us. I pray that heaven comes down. I pray that you move in our midst. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that Satan be barred from this place. That you would take all of our motives, all of our thoughts of what's going on in our lives and you would erase them from our memories right now that we would be focused on your word allowing the Holy Spirit to move within it and do a change in us as only you can. I ask for your power this morning. And it's in Jesus Christ's name, my Savior, I ask it. Amen. Each and every one of us have probably heard of great revival services, great services that have happened around the world. Even this week I was reading where at the Moody Institute, the the sanctuary there seats 4,000 people. And it's got a great big horseshoe balcony around it and there was a man preaching there and the place was just about full. And in that place, when you uh, from the pulpit area, you look right into the uh, balcony, and the seats go down from there. And as this man is preaching, he said he made a rhetorical question. He said, "Will there be anybody today to accept Jesus Christ as Lord?" And something happened when he stated those words, when he made that statement. A man leaped from his seat on that balcony and said, "Yes." I will. Just a second later, a woman stood and said, I will too. And the Holy Spirit got turned loose in that place. The sermon was over and people moved and accepted Christ. In a great cathedral in England, a man was preaching and He read his sermon word for word, but a great intellectual mind as he stood there reading that. He said all at once a man jumped up and run to a great column that was standing in this beautiful cathedral. And when the man ran to that, he started grabbing a hold of it. And people started going to these columns and the man shouted out, I'm going to hold on here unless I fall headlong into hell before Christ 
can redeem me. And the place just turned upside down. How? Was it because of who was standing there? You can go back and you can study the Billy uh, uh, Graham Crusades where thousands upon thousands of people hit the aisle to receive Christ. How does that happen? Is it because of the man that's standing there? No, it's the power of God taking over. That's what happens. It's the power of God. This day and age, we have the best buildings uh, that the church has ever had. We have the most talented and trained staffs of all the church age. We have the greatest technology that the church has ever had. But the power of God is missing. The power of God is absent in so much of our ministry and in the life of the everyday individual child of God. We're not living on the power of God. So this morning, if you and I want to uh, receive, if you and I want to live in that power of God in our lives, there are three things that we see in the passage of God's Word this morning that we must make a priority to do. Would you say this morning, I want the power of God in my life? Something's wrong in your life if you don't want it. Do you want that this morning? God's Word shows us three things how to receive it. Look there with me in verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. First thing is this. We must make the act of obedience a priority in our life. Uh Uh-oh. I was scared he's going to get to that. I was scared somebody was going to say we're going to have to start doing things that God would want us to do instead of me running my own life. Is there some other way? There's no other way. That's it. Now let me say this. John's standing out here preaching in that Jordan Valley. He is in the boonies doing this. He is in the middle of nowhere. He's in the wilderness of Judea. And it says, if you read on up in this, uh, uh, earlier in this chapter, it says, the Word of God tells us that multitudes of people were leaving the city. They were coming out into that place of nowhere because something was going on. Now, I'm going to say this. John didn't have a building there. John didn't have the first light bulb. John didn't have any media there. John didn't have even a, uh, any comfortable seats He is in a terrible location. But you know what was happening? Just one man. One man preaching that hell's hot, heaven's sweet, and praise God, Jesus saves. And the power of God showed up and people come by the multitude to receive Christ and to be baptized. Terrible location. Power God took over. Then you remember that these uh, sophisticated religious people showed up. The Pharisees, they showed up. They're fixing to see what's going on here that everybody's leaving town. They want to know why everybody's going out here in this wilderness, down into this Jordan Valley, to listen to a man that's wearing camel hair and wore out sandals. They can't figure it out. These sophisticated religious leaders showed up and when they got there, John told them that they were a bunch of snakes. 
and they smelt like a newly opened grave and they tucked their tails, run back into their synagogues, into those dry, godless places, still looking down their nose if they were somebody. You see, John wasn't concerned about the approval of a lost and dying world. Had no bearing on him. Wasn't seeking the approval of his neighbors, his peers, colleagues. He wasn't seeking that. The desire that John had, the desire that was in his heart that pushed him was for his life to display the power of God to preach and proclaim the truth of the Word of God as if there would be no tomorrow. And a matter of fact, there may not be a tomorrow, Calvary. That's the way he preached it. He preached as a dying man, preaching to a dying people, and stood in the truth of the Word of God, and the power of God come down through that preaching and turned loose there. Power of God. That's what happened. Oh, don't we want that? Surely don't I have to have some of that? I believe this, and people say, well, you know, there's a great falling away from the church. You just can't get people to go to church anymore. You know why? I see it all through the Bible. I believe that's contrary to the Word of God. You know what happens? I believe when God's people prepare their hearts, get their sins confessed, and they cry out to a merciful Lord that has done all things for them and say, we want your power, we want your authority, we'll proclaim it on a good day, bad day, whether they like it or not. I believe people will show up when the power of God is present. Why is our church falling away? No prior God in it. It's falling away. We missed it. You see here in verse 21, Jesus just waits in line. Now you'll read in some commentaries that when Jesus shows up, He just takes over this uh, baptismal service. That's not what the Word of God says. Look there in verse 21. And when all the people were baptized, came to pass that Jesus also being baptized. Jesus waited in line just like everybody else did. Jesus Christ didn't put Himself on a pedestal and break in line in front of anybody. He waited in line just like everyone else waited in line. You know, John didn't want to baptize him. You remember that? John said, whoa, hold up a minute. You're the Son of God. You're the Son of Man that cometh to take away all the sin of the world. I can't baptize you. I'm in need to be baptized of you. You baptized me, but Jesus stopped him and said, no, I must fulfill all the righteousness of God's Word. You do it like you're told to do it. See, Jesus made the act of obedience a priority in His life. Jesus Christ always moved under the power of God over His life. The problem we have today, we'll say, I want the power of God. I want to receive the power of God, but I'm going to tell you the only way you can get that. You have to say, Lord, I want Your power over me. Oh, I want your power over the top of me. I want to feel you move in my life. Well, you'll have to put God first. You can't stand right beside Him and get this power. No, you say, Lord, I want you to make every decision for me, no matter how small it may be. I give you all authority. I want all of your power over me today. Surely no one would think 
Surely no one's so naive or so sinful to think that they could have the power of God over their life without any spiritual commitment whatsoever. We act that way. Surely no one could think that I could have the power over my life without any spiritual discipline. Surely I wouldn't sit here and think that I could have the power of God uh, over my life and never have any spiritual surrendering in my life. I don't know why it's so hard for me to get right. I can't understand why it's so difficult. I try, oh I try, I pray. For Lord to help me to get this power over my life that I'll be more than that conqueror, that I'm, uh, I'm not a victim, that I'm a, a victor. I'm praying every day to get that. Uh, I just don't know how I'm going to do it. Well, you ever study Bible? Oh, no, no, I don't do that. Well, do you ever say, Lord, I tell you what, this morning as I've gotten up, you lead me into your word, show me how I'm going to live good till 7 o'clock, and it's 6 I need thee every hour, every minute, and every second of this day. I want you just to show me to get me to 7 o'clock. And I want to hang on to you. I want to grab a hold of you and let you lead me through this. That when I walk in the doors at work, they'll see the power of God working in my life. Boy, it got quiet in here. How am I going to do this? I'm going to tell you what it's going to take. You and I are going to have to start obeying God out of a grateful heart. We're going to have to start saying, you know what? I owe a debt I can never repay. There's most people in this room, if not everyone in here, doesn't want to walk around and say, well, I know I borrowed $50 from so-and-so, but I'm not going to pay him back and you shun them the whole time and run from them. That's not what's here today. But yet we live our lives before Christ just that way, like we don't owe Him anything. We will walk through our life, we're going to have to get to a spot that we say, you know what, I'm going to start acting. Like there was a Messiah sent from glory, lived a sinless life, they placed Him in a, a, a manger, and He came not for Himself, but He came for me personally. And out of a grateful heart, I'm going to start serving my Lord. I'm going to start living my life as if there was a man to come, God himself incarnate. He hung upon a cross taking my sin, my shame, suffering my judgment, my punishment, and died for that on a cross. And I have a sense of a, a, a dueness to the God that loves me. Then I'm going to have to say, you know what? I'm going to have a sense of responsibility in my life. I'm going to take it and I'm going to start thinking about on that third day as that tomb door opened up, my Jesus Christ walked out of that tomb and assured me today that heaven's my home and I'll be with the Father for eternity. I'm going to start living my life like that and you'll get the power of God in it. In the cross is where we'll get it. In the cross. There's a price to pay though for the power of God, and it is this. Something's not like talked about today. Moral purity. Whoa. So maybe some of those things that we may look at on the internet won't cut it. Maybe some of them things when we're sitting there talking to people at the office and a nasty joke comes up and we sit there and laugh with them, that will not cut it. 
maybe to go over here and find somebody that's down on their luck and we'll attack them like a uh, pack of dogs to drive them in the ground, that will not cut it. You will not receive the power of God in, in those actions. It'll take a moral purity to receive it. But secondly, to receive that power of God, we must make the anointing of the Holy Spirit a priority in our life. There in verse 22. And the Holy Ghost descended in the bodily shape like a dove upon Him. So what this is saying here, I want to... The success in which Jesus Christ saw within His ministry was because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit on His ministry. You say, hold up now. You're going to tell me that Jesus had the Holy Spirit? Turn with me. I want you to see this passage in Acts. Turn with me to Acts 10. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 37 and 38. Verse 37 says, That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So somewhere along the line, we think that you and I can serve God without having the anointing of the Holy Spirit on our life. We're wrong. But I'm going to clear up some of this doctrine of what the Holy Spirit is. I want you to get this. When you asked Jesus Christ to save you, the reason that you knew you was lost was the work of the Holy Spirit telling you that you're lost and need a Savior. Okay? Cannot get saved without the moving of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Once you said... Yep, I'm lost. It was the Holy Spirit that drew you towards a loving Savior, Jesus. When Jesus Christ come into your heart and forgave you of all the sins that you've ever committed or ever will commit, you received the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot go to a worship service and get more Holy Spirit than you got when you got saved. You got all of it you can get. He moved in. He indwelled you at that point in time. You won't go into any building anywhere and say, boy, I got the Holy Spirit when I got there. Well, you were lost when you got there and got saved then. He's with you now if you've received Christ. Now what He does is this. What the Holy Spirit does is this. See, the Holy Spirit is that Godhead that energizes you to do all God's will demands you to do. And see, when we sin, here's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes in there and He puts a hand on you. Starts putting pressure in your life. Starts moving in your life. Because see, He's doing the same thing He done when you was lost. He's trying to get you back to where you need to be with Jesus. He's trying to get you right back to where you're supposed to be with Jesus. Living as you have a responsibility. Living as you've been commanded to live. That's who He is. But I see something in this. You say, well, I want this. And I think I've got the first part of this. I think I'm going I'm to get right with this and I'm going to get that power of God. But I know that that anointing will have to be on it too because that's who's going to guide me through my day. And I know that I'm going to have to have the Holy Spirit. How am I going to know when I get it? 
How am I going to know when He's moving in my life? How am I going to know that He's anointing me for a certain purpose in my life? Well, I'm going to tell you how. Look there in verse 22 again. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon Him. Now, it didn't say descended like a buzzard, like a raven, or a blue jay, but like a dove. Stop right there just a second. The reason that the, whole, uh, uh, the Word of God gives us this demonstration is because a dove's a beautiful bird. You will never find a bird eating on a dead carcass somewhere. I'm not going to tell you you won't find a blue jay doing it. You're not going to see a dove up here at uh, Sonic eating french fries. No, he's a clean bird. You see, it's saying something here to us about this Holy Spirit in the form. You see, when you and I get filled with the Holy Ghost, He starts beautifying us on the inside and the outside. Uh-oh. Think about that just a minute. So you're saying when I walked into Walmart and I stepped in that mud hole and filled my whole shoe full of water, I walked in there kicking my shoe around, kicked it off my foot, mad, slung my umbrella down, snatched the buggy out, face sired up, went and bought that can of beans, and I come out and I'm mad as a hornet. Chewed out the cashier before I got out of there. No, that's not it. You missed it. No, when the Holy Spirit has anointed you in something, it's when there's your countenance gets changed. There's so much Jesus on the inside, it starts radiating through the outside. It's when you start stopping, when you see things happening in people's life that's beyond your knowledge, beyond what you would ever see, when you come out of a place and you can notice that someone's hurting and there's just a drawing towards that person and you walk over to them and say, is there anything I can do for you? Would you let me tell you about my Jesus? That's what it's like. See, that Holy Spirit will start beautifying you. This sired up face that we have, This mad look that we walk around is not the beautification of the Holy Spirit. Something's wrong inside us and it's us. We feel too much of ourselves in it. Too much of ourselves. But also I see the Holy Spirit does something else in this. See, it purifies you. Sets you up for service. You see, the dove's a clean bird. He was actually used during sacrifices. They were sold. He's a clean bird. I don't know why God never gives me any direction of what I need to do. Well, maybe start need to work on the purification on the inside. Maybe there's the problem. Maybe something's so wrong on the inside that God can't use you in anything. See, it's the Holy Spirit that starts moving in our being. Starts pointing us in the direction that needs to get cleaned up. I believe today that more than 99% of all children of God have unconfessed sin in their life and need to get it right. But I won't. I'll just stay the way I am. Everybody else thinks I'm doing good and that's good enough for me. I'll just do it my way. Lord, help us. Thirdly, we must make the approval of God a priority. Verse 22 says, Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee 
I am well pleased. Do you think we can actually get to that same spot? To where we can, God can say, I'm pleased with you. That you can see in, uh, the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life that you're doing exactly what God would have you to do and God's pleased with you. I'm going to ask you this, have you ever been there? Well, I can tell you, you can get to that spot. It's not unachievable. It's not where we can't reach it, but you won't do it on your own. It'll take something within you moving to get you there. We must make the approval of God in our everyday walk a priority. What this actually saying here, you see, you watch the life of Jesus. Jesus stayed focused on the Father. All of his actions was about what God said. You remember when they come into Jerusalem, man, he said the town shook. And you remember Peter made a comment to Jesus. Y'all remember that? He said, oh, you don't have to die. You don't have to die. The whole world, the Pharisees said, seek after him. Everybody's looking for Jesus. You don't have to die. You remember what he said, Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. Strange, isn't it? No, it's not. Jesus was not concerned about Peter's opinion. He was worried about God's approval. You see, when Jesus Christ done things in His life, everything that He done when He healed the blind, it was under the approval of the Father. When Jesus Christ came in in that Lord's Supper and He was in the garden and He said, Lord, if, oh God, if it be Your will, let this cup pass from Me. And God through His silence spoke and said, no, that's not the way it'll be. He searched for the approval of God in His life. When He went to the cross, it was under the approval of God. When He walked out of the tomb, it was in the approval of God. And when He Ascended back into glory. It was when God said he could go. It was his approval he saw. He didn't need Peter's advice in anything. And you don't need anybody else's but God's either. Just his. That's what's needed. People pleasing will not please God. In closing, I heard a story about a great evangelist named Alan Redpath. He would spend sometimes three, four weeks away from home preaching all over the world. Had two small little girls. He came in late in the night, but they knew that he was coming in. So the next morning they woke up early because they didn't get to see their daddy because he came in late. But they knew that he would be in his study in the Word of God. They jumped up out of bed. The oldest one took off. The youngest one right behind her. The oldest one made it to her daddy first. She ran in there as he stood up. He heard them coming. And they, she wrapped her arms around his legs. And she looked back at her little sister and said, I have all of daddy there is. Her little sister started crying. Brother Allen reached over his oldest daughter picked up his littlest daughter, held her in his arms, and she looked down at her older sister with a smile on her face and said, but Daddy has all of me. There he is. At salvation, you've got all of Jesus. There he is. 
He didn't give you part of Himself. Jesus gave all, Brother Charles. But how much of you does Jesus have? If you want to see your family changed, and you say, well, that's all good. Well, I can tell you, you can get better. You want to see things that work get changed? And I can tell you, it can get better. You can think it's good. You want to see all of life changed. And I'm not this prosperity preacher. I'm not telling you now you ain't going to be attacked any. I'm not telling you that you're going, somebody's going to put a million dollars in your checking account. I'm just going to tell you, you will feel a sense of accomplishment. You will feel a great uh, heart-changing event when Jesus or God's power is over your life. Does he have all of you there? Yes. Dear